You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. I had goosebumps recording today's episode with my new friend, Nyla. It is a powerful one. Nyla is a health and life coach who specializes in intuitive eating and body image improvement, all from a Christian perspective. I want to give a brief trigger warning as this episode does discuss sensitive topics like eating disorders, as Nyla herself did struggle with one for years. While Nyla shares so much incredible insight and shares a story of recovery and hope, feel free to listen to a different episode of Thrive if you're feeling a bit more sensitive to the topic today. But if you're able, I hope you tune in to this conversation and find hope. Nyla is so honest, raw, real, and godly, and we talk about everything from intuitive eating and following cravings to body image and what the Bible's got to say about it, even how to help a struggling friend. So stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And without further ado, welcome Nyla. Thank you for having me on the podcast. This is this is awesome. This is so fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy that you reached out and connected because I think that you do such cool, holy work. I mean, you are a certified health and life coach and you specialize in intuitive eating and body image improvement, but with a Christian perspective, which I think is Awesome. So tell us more about that, what that means, what you do, and maybe how it's different than other health or life coaches work. Yeah. So I'm the founder of Nutrition with Nyla, and I coach women over the phone um, worldwide. So I have people all over. Not I'm in Canada, so they're not just Canadian. They're lots of um, most of my clients are actually in America. And yeah, over the phone, I just coach them how to improve their body image and also how to find just this like free and flexible relationship with food and fitness. So it's not consuming their life. It's, it's enhancing their life. And um, yeah, I'm a Christian. So I do it from a Christian perspective. And I was just telling a client yesterday, I'm like, God is your coach. Like I'm prayerfully planning these sessions. And like, if you're helped, it's like, give him glory. And cause he's like, I'm inviting him into all these sessions and just um, he knows what they need to hear to find freedom in different areas. And so um, I I couldn't do it without God because he gives me he gives me the words that people need to hear to experience that freedom. And it's just so close to my heart because as a teenager and a university student, I had an eating disorder and I also um, was addicted to exercise, which is a thing. And I have experienced so much freedom from working with a coach myself. And um, so now I just, I want to, I want to be what my coach was to me to other women so they can find this, just this free and happy way of um, approaching food and fitness. That's awesome. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about what you went through in case any listeners are similarly struggling? Yeah, like, um, I feel like my body image struggles, they started actually in grade three, which is so young. And just kids were, I was a bigger girl compared to all the other girls in my class. And um, yeah, the boys were calling me names, like you're fat and all these different things. And I hated people looking at me with this look of disgust. And I was like, I'm never gonna have people look at my body that way. And I was equating like, um, smaller bodies with more love. So even as a grade three student, I'm like, I'm never gonna, I'm going to do something about this. And then it just, 
it slowly turned into a full-blown eating disorder, anorexia, and I lost a lot of weight. Um, by the time I was like in grade eight, I lost like so much weight very quickly. And um, like, like I said, it wasn't just like in grade three, all of a sudden I had an eating disorder. Those thoughts, those warped thoughts about body and, and love being equated to your body size started getting implanted. And by grade eight, though, it was like a full-blown um, eating disorder. And I just... I thought like I was better and more lovable if I ate like a bird, like the less I ate, the better. And I remember like in grade eight, like moving my feet on the floor and shuffling papers so no one would hear my growling stomach. And I felt so good if I only ate like a tiny yogurt for breakfast and like just a little bit of this for lunch. And and then it like I did go to Christian counseling and I got some help. And but then my body started changing because I was fueling it better and um, so I started exercising just to deal with those body changes, but then it, it just became, um, I, I would exercise like once a day, which is fine. And then I would exercise an hour a day, which is still okay if you're doing it for joyful reasons, but then it became like two hours a day, three hours a day, five hours a day. And, um, I was just so irritable if I couldn't get a crazy hard, long workout in. And it was just, yeah, it was an idol and it was just, it was, um, I would choose like time at the gym, two hours at the gym over time in the Bible. And it, it really showed my spiritual health was very low and it showed. And um, yeah, there's so many different directions I could go with that. But honestly, it was just, I was so consumed with being the smallest I could be because I thought I would be more loved and more valuable to society. And that's just so warped of thinking. So uh, yeah, if you have any more questions, I can answer them specifically, but it, it was just like a mess and uh, yeah. it was not a happy life. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you for sharing all of that in detail like that too. How are you today? Um, I would say it is 100% possible to become free from an eating disorder. I know some people don't agree with that, but I do agree with Jesus. You can become like when the sun sets you free, you can become fully free. And I have a joyful relationship with exercise and food. And um, it's just not on my mind 24-7, my body and food. It's just it's something that I do to take care of my body, but it's not consuming my thought life. And I can actually be present with my husband or, or enjoy hobbies or spend time in the word, even before I've got a workout in, I can take rest days. Now I didn't take a rest day for um, two decades actually, cause I was afraid of rest days. And so it's, it's black and white from what it was. And that's possible for anybody. That's incredible. Like I literally have goosebumps because what a powerful story and what an incredible transformation and what an awesome story of hope that hopefully any listeners can take from this if they're listening and similarly struggling. So I would love to have you kind of intro us with telling us what the Bible says about body image and maybe how you've seen and how we've probably all seen that contrast with how body image is portrayed in the media and in secular society today. I'd love to like set that stage to kind of highlight, all right, this is like what we all see with body image and what we're probably, what we've all probably thought at one point or another, thanks to, you know, so just society compared to like, what does God actually say about our physical bodies? Mm-hmm. Um, I love like um, John 3.16, everybody, most Christians, that's one that you memorize first, like for God to love the world. And it doesn't have anything about our appearance in there. It just says for God to love the world. It doesn't say he loved the world because they were a size two or because they had a six pack or because they worked out X, Y, Z amount of times a week. It doesn't, it's not tied to our appearance at all, but diet culture, um, 
it really, really tells us that, yeah, if you have to look a certain way to be beautiful, you have to look a certain way and stay that way if you want to be loved. But the Bible doesn't tie our appearance or our product productivity or like anything to God's love because his love is um, unconditional. And if it had conditions attached, it, it wouldn't really be true love. And I love um, the verse. I don't know where it's found. Um, Psalm 139, I think, where it says like, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that would mean like present tense, like you are in the current body size and shape you have now. And I think we think, yeah, we need to change our bodies and then we'll be loved. But it's like, no, you're loved right now. And um, I think we, it's powerful to realize though, like some people won't love you because of your body shape, but that says so much about their character. And we, we need to choose to see ourselves through the eyes of God and knowing like he loves us no matter what we look like. And, um, but there is power in just acknowledging like there are jerks in the world and some of them will be like, you're, you're too big. I don't, I don't like that look. Like, I don't love you. And that's just, you don't want those people in your life because they're, they're jerks and they wouldn't be like a good companion in life anyway. So yeah. Does that kind of answer your question? Totally. It's so good. Also crazy timing. Cause I was literally just listening to, um, it was kind of like, kind of like a sermon or just a YouTube video that a girl was doing. And she was taught, she mentioned that verse exactly. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and how we all kind of have heard it at one point or another. Everybody knows it. And she was relaying it back to comparison and how we all will look at the next girl in some way and be, oh, I wish I was X, Y, Z as her. I wish I was as skinny as her. I wish I was as pretty as her, as strong as her, whatever, comparing yourself to her. And she was talking about how when God created the world, he just looked at everything and said, it is good. Like I created giraffes. They are good. The ocean. It is good. This is good. You are good. It was never you are better than or this is better than something else. It was all good. And it was really cool because it was just like bringing that back to like we don't look at giraffes and say, I wish my legs were as long as giraffes legs or I wish I was as skinny as like those birds legs or whatever. We just do it at each other. And it's such a poisonous thing to do because God didn't have that in his in his mind at all in creating all of us. It was literally just like, you are this and you are good and you are this and you are good too. And everybody is good. And it's not this, this like toxic picking each other apart or, or making one thing better than another is like such an imperfect, flawed human thing to do that was not at all part of God's plan or desires for us. So... I think that's like, I love that you just said, you know, it's the present tense of that verse. It's not, there is no condition. There is no in the future. There is no if this, then that. It's just, nope, you are. That's how it is. Mm -hmm. Point blank period. Totally. I love that. And like, I think it's powerful to be like, there's no moral worth attached to different body sizes and diet culture can be like, yeah, the smaller you are, the more worth you have. And it's powerful to source our worth correctly. And no, like we have worth because the creator made us, we have worth because we're made off of the blueprints of worth himself. And like, he, he says we have worth. So we have worth. It can't, can't be taken away from us. It's a fixed amount of worth, whether we are size two or a size 20. And, um, I'll tell you one story. I was in a university nutrition class and the professor who was a dietitian, she's, she was talking about body image actually. And, um, 
she was saying like, we would never tell a Chihuahua, why don't you look like a St. Bernard? Like they're different breeds, but she's like, why do we do that as women? We're different body shapes and like, we're not supposed to look the same. We're different and difference, not bad. And that just stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, you would never say Chihuahua. You need to look like the body type of a St. Bernard. Cause it's not possible. They're not, they weren't created that way. Yeah. So good. And I love analogies like that too, because I think sometimes we fall into these traps of thinking a certain way and maybe not even realizing we're thinking a certain way because it's so indoctrinated into just what society tells us and these messages that we hear or see on our Instagram feeds or whatever, where we don't even realize we're thinking that way until you give the analogy and you're like, well, no, duh, of course that makes sense. Like that's, of course, like no brainer, but like we still fall into those traps of falling for the no brainers. So so good. I would love to hear what is intuitive eating? Cause I know that's a big part of what you do. So for anyone who's like, what the heck is that? Can you explain what that is? Yeah, it's not a diet. I'll lead with that. It's not a diet. It's kind of the opposite of a diet. Um, it was made by two dietitians about 25 years ago, and there's lots of studies done on it, um, showing that it works and long-term it works. And there's 10 principles in it. And it honestly, it's a tool to heal your relationship with food and get you to what they call your set point weight. And your set point weight is um, the weight that is, um, it's just your unique happy weight that feels good for you. It's easy for you to maintain when you're honoring body cues. And so it'll get you to that set point weight. So some people on intuitive eating, they lose weight, some gain a little, some stay the same. It just depends what their body needed after years of dieting or restriction. And it, it literally is a gift from the Lord. Like, I'm so glad he led it to me. And um, yeah, do you have any other questions about it? No, I think you just covered it so well. I mean, and that also makes sense to what we were just saying in terms of people are different ways and people people's bodies need different things. So it's yeah. like you can't like no one daily eating plan is a one size fits all formula. Literally, it's like people's bodies need different amounts of everything, different amounts of calories, different amounts of, you know, like literally everything because it's everybody is different. So I love mm -hmm. that it's really kind of sounds like it's honing in on those differences and learning your body and fueling your body the way it needs to be fueled. Yeah. And like me, I need different things, even individually day to day. I don't eat the same thing every yeah. day because our bodies are different every day, like hormone levels and just how we exercise or the just different variables happen every day. So just knowing and a diet is very much so like you have to eat this many calories every day. And, but that's not, that doesn't align with how God created our bodies to need, um, different things every day. And I fully believe that Adam and Eve, I think they ate like intuitive eaters in the garden. I really do. Cause there was no weight watchers or keto. There was no, um, outside sources like that telling them you have to eat that way, but God, they were like us so that they had body cues. So they were just listening to their body cues of like, am I hungry? Am I full? Am I thirsty? Like what, what fruit looks good today or what like plant should I eat? And, um, they also had God, they could have asked him like, what should we eat today? And I sometimes ask the Holy spirit. I'm like, what should I have for lunch today? Like what would fuel me for my tasks today? Or like, so it's okay to ask God, like even what should I eat for breakfast? Like he's okay to be invited into even that area of your life. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think we also both believe in balance and kind of 
the whole everything in moderation phrase. So can you kind of expand upon that a little bit? Because that's always, I, I never myself never had a name on it. Like, oh, I'm intuitively eating, but I think I just, maybe it's how my mom raised me and it's how I'm trying to raise live. And it's just kind of like, I am such a fan of everything in moderation. I hate the idea of a diet. And I'm like, if there are some things that are delicious and wonderful, I would like to be able to experience them <laughs> and enjoy my life. Like, so I would love to hear your thoughts on that since you're the expert here in terms of what that phrase kind of means to you and then how, how you just kind of like bring that into the picture where it feels good and is still healthy and allows you to kind of enjoy treats too and not just be eating fruits and vegetables all the time. Yeah, like um, there's a misconception about intuitive eating that it's anti-health. Like some people have this picture of intuitive eating, meaning you're just eating ice cream all day and pizza and it's just you eat whatever you want, whenever you want it and however much you want. And there is this freedom in intuitive eating where you give yourself unconditional permission to eat whatever you want. But there's also a principle later on that you get to that's um, like gentle nutrition and learning about balancing your meals. So um, you just sometimes have to work through like giving yourself permission to eat ice cream whenever you want it. So your body learns like, oh, I don't have to eat two cartons right now because I can have more tomorrow if I want. And it just calms you down and you, you, um, it's not like that last supper mentality where you're just, this is the only window of opportunity I have to eat it. So I'm going to eat as much because I won't get it till next month or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's just learning. So there is a process with intuitive eating, I guess. So sometimes it might look like that at the beginning, only eating pizza and ice cream while you work through some of these um, limiting beliefs that you have about food, just if you've been on a diet, if that makes sense. But um, I think diet culture really demonizes certain foods, but really it's the quantity of food. Like any, like I've made myself so sick by eating too many carrots, but so you can make yourself sick eating too much pizza, too much cake, but also too much kale or too much like um, corn or whatever. So it's not the, it's not food specific. It's the quantity that is the problem that can lead to uncomfortable things. So um, yeah, I love the balance, like everything in moderation. And when you, when you take those rules off, like I should eat this and I shouldn't eat that when all food becomes morally neutral, like um, you can really like God's wired us to crave balance. So the other day I was like, you know, what? I want dessert. So I had dessert for a snack. I had some apple crisp. And then at lunch, I'm like, you know what? A salad sounds really good. And because I don't have these rules around, I shouldn't ever eat dessert or I need to only eat salads. Like it, it, you're able to tune into just that wiring of God for us to balance, like to crave balance essentially. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've heard it said once too, that, um, from a scientific standpoint, your body will naturally start to crave certain things when it's lacking in certain nutrients and needing more of that. So is that, I'm sure that that's, you, you obviously would know that as well. Is that, is that true? Like I've heard it said where like, if you're maybe a little iron deficient, you might start craving a hamburger or like if you're, you know, um, low on vitamin C, maybe you're like really craving citrus fruit or something like that's, that's also, is that also a part of intuitive eating? Yeah, like, uh, again, the world is like, your cravings, they'll lead you wrong, like ignore your cravings, chew gum instead of the chocolate that you're craving. But really, our cravings can be seen as like guideposts or like a compass of what your body's um, lacking. Just like you said, like, 
most girls can experience like when it's your period chocolate sounds so good and that's because during our periods magnesium is low and dark chocolate is um has magnesium or sometimes like fish sounds really good when you have your period and um those are things that like magnesium uh so or like after a run i know like bananas sound really good or like um, chocolate milk and those things are great for recovery after a run so it's like no wonder it sounds so good because it's like my body's way of being a team with me and saying like hey we're making this sound good because this is what we need so cravings are not bad at all they're actually really good but we can get false cravings when we put those rules around food like I should eat this and I shouldn't eat that and then you start to crave the shouldn'ts but when all things become like on limit limits it it takes away like that I call it the bad boy factor when when you're like when your mom's like, don't date him, you want to date him even more. <laughs> so if you're like, don't eat the cookie, then you want the cookie, even though probably you actually may, like in that moment, maybe you actually don't want the cookie, you actually want an apple. But just because you said you can't have the cookie, like you have this false craving for it. So when you put all foods on limits, it, it just, yeah, it gives you, frees you up to be like, what do I actually want in this moment? And you are wired for the, that balance of cravings. So interesting. Can you differentiate between an eating disorder and disordered thinking or disordered eating? Yeah. Um, first of all, I will state like they both qualify for getting help. I know some people are like, if I don't have um, like binge eating disorder or if I don't have um, bulimia or anorexia or, or something like that or orthorexia, then I, I shouldn't go see a counselor. But I did hear someone say like a, a full-blown eating disorder is like um, – a broken foot and disordered eating is like a sprained ankle. They're both uncomfortable and are, are harming your quality of life and they both deserve getting help. So I think I, I like to preface with that, but um, I guess like eating disorder for me, the signs personally for me when I was anorexic was my hair was falling out and I was so lethargic. Like I had no energy and I was very, I quickly lost a lot of weight in because of the sometimes honing in on the method, like can be helpful too. So the method was I was starving myself. And I, um, so looking at how someone has maybe lost a lot of weight can be helpful too. And then the physical signs, like my period, I lost my period for a while because a period isn't essential for life. So when I wasn't feeding my body nutrients, it was like, okay, we're going to ditch the period because we need, we need to, um, like really be stingy about where we're giving these nutrients because she's not giving us very much. So um, yeah, sometimes those are hard to see though if you're not the actual person because you maybe don't see all the hair loss in the shower or you don't know that they don't have their period. And um, so, but disordered then, so I had, I've experienced both. Like I had the full-blown eating disorder. And then when it became, um, when I got a lot better and I wouldn't say I had an active eating disorder anymore, but I still had disordered thoughts, it was still consuming my life and exercise and food were not enhancing my life they were hindering them and I was making decisions out of fear food and exercise choices were fear-based and not joy-based and they were not flexible they were rigid and I when it was, I guess I would say um it's it can be disordered eating and maybe not always a eating disorder when um when it's well eating disorder can be this too but just look at how your relationship with food is affecting your human relationships and that I think that will help you. But yeah, the physical symptoms, I think, really indicate an eating disorder. But I'm sure mm -hmm. there's a lot more other ones too, but that might give sure. you a taste. Yeah. So then building off of that, if that I think gives people a really good indicator of, you know, looking inwardly, what am I struggling with? Where might I be at? 
if 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 someone listening sees their girlfriend going through something where they think, okay, I'm concerned. Like, I think that she might not be treating her body in the best way or might not have the best body image herself. Do you have any tips for navigating that conversation and kind of approaching your friend in like the most loving, healthy way to try to help her? Or is that is that something that is possible? How how can anyone listening try to take a step and and provide help if she sees that oh no we need it yeah like I had people come to me when I was struggling with anorexia and they they did say they were concerned but I got angry because I thought like I thought that if I went and got help like I did realize something was wrong but I thought getting help meant gaining 500 pounds and I was still equating like a bigger body with less worth less love and so I didn't want to hear it I fought back I was cruel so you I think approach like pray about it, I guess, and say like, give me the words, Holy Spirit, and tell me the right timing. And like, am I the one to do it? Or do you want me to talk to someone else to talk to them? Just invite him into that. But if you're feeling the go ahead, I would honestly just do it very like compassion based, like, hey, I'm I love you. And I'm worried about you. I want you to have a long and satisfying life. And I see these harmful things that you're doing. Like, do you want to talk about it? Like what's going on? Just go not to judge or to condemn, but just to listen and to understand and shower with them with love. But um, they also have to be ready for healing. Like I, again, I fought people, I pushed back. I'm like, no, like you're just, you're just jealous. Or like, I was just so cruel to them. But when I, when I finally got to that lowest point in my life and I'm like, if, if something doesn't change, I'm going to be anorexic still at 70. Like something needs to change for something to change. I need to get help um, in that moment. Then I was ready for help. So they have to want the help. You can't force help or recovery on someone, which is really hard. But um, if they're not ready to hear it, you can keep praying for them that they would be softened, that they would see their situation for what it is. And they would realize that I, they they want to change. And um, so, yeah, is that does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, totally. I would love to hear your take too on how looks can be deceiving. Because I think oftentimes in the media, it's portrayed that the heavier set girl is the girl with the problem. But we know so well that the skinny girl might very well have a problem too behind the scenes, whether that's a disorder or maybe the inability to healthily gain weight or muscle that causes other unhealthy habits. Like there's just there's just so much that's not like one is like what we were saying earlier, one is not better than the other. So but I would love to hear your take on kind of how, how you think about that too, in terms of looks not looks being deceiving in terms of someone's health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, health, it doesn't have a specific look. Um, You you can't look at someone and know if they're healthy or not. I feel like in extreme cases, you might be able to tell like if someone is very rail thin, like and you know, but like you still have to know the why. But like if someone is 500 pounds, they're most likely not very healthy. But if they're also 70, 70 pounds and and an adult, you might be like, I think something's going on. But for the general cases, like those in between, um, 
you can't tell by looking at someone you'd have to stalk them for like a month and be like <laughs> you'd have to be like what because health is holistic and diet culture is like no it's only what you eat and how you move your body but it it's your spiritual health like what's your relationship with god or like what's your mental health like how what's your self-care practices like um what's your social life like is it healthy um what's your relationship with rest and so you have to you can't just know those things by looking at someone and being like they're at the gym and they're they're this size so they're probably healthy you you've got to like watch their habits over time like health is the sum of our behaviors over time it's not like oh you're healthy because you're eating a salad it's like no you you become healthy over time by doing healthy things um over time but yeah does that does that make yeah. sense yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, if anyone listening here has a poor relationship with food or maybe even struggles from disordered eating or disordered thinking, can you speak to her directly and kind of share some practicals or some specific steps if she's ready to start a journey of recovery? Mm-hmm. Uh, my first step is like do a social media detox and unfollow people who just they have similar relationships with food or fitness or body image as you right now. Like um, we are influenced by the people that we allow to speak over us. So mute or unfollow those people on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you are, Snapchat. And um, then, so unfollow those ones that are just making you not feel good, that are keeping you with the same mindsets that you have about food. And then I want you to find people who have a balanced and a freedom-based approach to food and intentionally check in with them and allow them to speak over you. And it's just, it's really powerful. And you'll see once you follow like intuitive eating accounts and positive body image accounts, you'll start to, that'll become your new normal and it will affect your thinking. So allow them to speak over you. And um, it'll also make recovery not seem so scary because lots of people in the intuitive eating world, they're happy. They're, they're out there living their lives. They're going on date nights. They're eating cake at birthday parties. They're taking rest days, but they're running. They're eating cookies and salads. Like it's balanced and it's portrayed in a really beautiful, enjoyable way. And it'll make it seem not so scary. And I also would say then find a trusted person, your mom, a friend, um, someone at your church or just anyone and just tell them I'm struggling. And even just admitting it to one person, even if it's not your therapist or someone that you go to for help can be empowering. Just being like, I admit I have a problem and I don't want to stay this way anymore. That's your first step to is healing is just saying that out loud, even writing it out. I have a problem and I don't want to keep it. Um, that, that is so like, it, it, it's really powerful. That's awesome. Okay. This has been such an enriching, incredible conversation. So I really can't thank you enough for coming on Thrive, but I want to close out by asking you two things that I ask everybody who comes on Thrive. And that is what does Thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? I think like, cause I'm an intuitive eating coach. I think thriving. Um, yeah, I think it's very intuitive and individual what that means. And I guess that's why your, your, um, your guests have different answers, but I think thriving looks different each day. Sometimes to me, thriving means I'm not feeling well. So I'm going to work from the couch today, watch more Netflix, maybe take a rest day from a workout. And then sometimes thriving for me is going for a long run. And like, it just looks different each day, depending on what looks like self-care that day for my body. And so I guess, yeah, how I do that each day is I do, I thrive by doing body scans. I mentally scan my body. I'm like, Hey, what's up today? How are you feeling? Like, what do you need? How can I take care of you and make you feel the way you want to feel today? Like, what are your unique 
needs today um, so we can thrive and not like you say not just survive but thrive so I think that's how I'd answer that question so good ah oh, well thank you so much Nyla tell everyone where they can find you online especially if girls want to connect with you further and explore your coaching your nutrition programs all of that yeah I hang out mostly on Instagram so you can find me on the handle nutrition with Nyla um, I also have a blog and you can, I do like why I ate in a day and it's an emphasis on why, like, I don't want people just copying, like that's what Nyla does. So I emphasize like the intuitive eating reasons why I picked what I did. And, um, you can go check that out. And I also have a podcast and it's called her holy hustle. And it's for Christian women who are entrepreneurs. And I talk about business mindsets, but I do it from the perspective of intuitive eating. Like I use a lot of intuitive eating analogies for talking about how we can run our businesses with a holy hustle. So it's at a peaceful pace with God. And so it's unique that I have intuitive eating and business all wrapped into a podcast. It's like weird and, but it works. <laughs> Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to and come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.